0: Hi friend, I know these stories on the podcast are so encouraging to hear as you listen to others who have walked through unimaginable pain and, and found hope in it and they've walked through it. But I also know that how to move forward can be the question that so many of you guys who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you're asking that question currently as you're walking through the valley. I know when I think about my own journey after losing my wife, Amanda, I wished that i had had something practical, a guide to walk me through the pain and the process of healing which is why we created the Pain to Purpose course. The Pain to Purpose course is truly a guide to help you remove the debris of crisis in your life and move forward with a renewed sense of victory and purpose. Hundreds have taken the course and found so much hope and healing in their own story, but I want you to listen to what Jarrah had to say about how the course helped her find her way out of anxiety and depression.
1: I came in in a very low spot in my life. Um, I, had, I was walking through depression, I was walking through a lot of anxiety. Um, that led me to some really poor decisions in my life that um, got me to the place where I thought I was no longer worthy to be used by God. In the course, I learned a lot of practical tips when I'm feeling unworthy or when I'm really low. First, I learned how to label all those feelings, and then I learned to say, no, this biblical truth is that God loves me, that I am purposeful, that He put me here for a reason. And I had to put that before my unworthiness that I was feeling.
0: So if you're ready to take the next step in healing from whatever hurt you've walked through and want help and how to identify your pain and how to move forward, sign up now for the Pain to Purpose course by going to course.nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. Welcome
2: to the Nothing is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davy Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aubrey Sampson, and joined by my <laughs> <Yeah>. regular host. <laughs> That's
0: right. Aubrey, I actually just have been listening to, you know, we we record these ahead of time. And so uh-huh. in time right now, I'm listening to where you and Eric were recording. And it's just so fun to like hear you guys talking back and forth. I just listened to the Enneagram one where you guys were <laughs> talking about both being fours. <laughs>
1: That was and I'm like the most for conversation of all That was the time. most for
0: conversation. <laughs> I'm like, man, we, you know, you needed, you needed to, that just started go. It was like, wow, this we is. We kind
1: of lost, we kind of lost our track and I was but like. But I was we on gotta, the journey.
0: I was oh on the God, journey God, there with you, you guys. It was amazing. No, I it was have so a good, good
1: friend to... who's a faithful listener of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And she texted me after that one. For those of you who missed it. Eric, who was a guest host that I were talking about being fours on the Instagram, and fours think they're very special and unique. And we were <laughs> laughing about that. She texted me like, oh, hello to my special and unique friend. <laughs> so yeah, good times.
0: Oh, time. that is so good. That's so good. Well, it's so good to be again back and mm-hmm. joining you. There's been so much going on. We're going to actually, after this conversation, update you on some of the things that are happening with the ministry, because it's
1: so exciting, super
0: exciting. And so I did have to take some time to kind of jump into that world a little bit and get some break from and so I'm grateful for Eric to uh, to to jump in and, and replace me for a little bit. And I'm excited yeah, that, that in the future, whatever it looks like, hopefully we'll be able to partner with Eric on some things and yeah, bring him in as a right. voice, another voice in the nothing is wasted ministries. And so um today we have an incredible guest. His name is Adam Maybury. And all I can think about is that Rascal Flat song I Miss Mayberry. <laughs> I was singing it right before we started hitting record, and I found out, Aubrey, that you don't listen to country music. I, I was... know,
1: and I'm from Oklahoma. Like My whole family's from Texas and Goodness. Nashville, and they sing country music songs, and I'm like, God, I, they just get a blank stare from me. Wow. Like I, I mean, I've got a little bit of very old school, like Reba McIntyre and Garth Brooks like somewhere okay. in my subconscious, yeah. but yeah. as far Kinda as- Kind of back like,
0: in the 90s there. Yeah, but a little John like, Michael Montgomery, maybe a little. God, I mean, even that, I don't
1: know. You're getting like a little too niche for me. I I transitioned out of country probably because I'm a four, right? And going back to needing that's beauty. true. But anyway, that's Adam true. Mabry, pastor of uh, several church plants, and uh, yeah. now part of a really thriving church in Boston, Massachusetts. But part of his story is dealing with depression and anxiety as a pastor, mm-hmm. and what it kind of those dark nights of the soul season right. that for some reason God uses in our lives as part of our formation but his book yeah. is called when god seems gone mm. finding hope when nothing makes sense and so i think for our nothing is wasted audience and listeners community like you're going to love davy's conversation yeah. with adam uh if you're listening and anything just connects with you or you sense the holy spirit kind of speaking to you or i don't know you want to take a next step we have so many yeah. resources for you over at our website nothingiswasted.com from I mean, there's videos, there's devotions, there's people oh, who want to walk with you. There's a community where other people are sharing their stories. We And we have other episodes like this for you That's you right. can find. Um, we would love to invite you to go there, nothingiswasted.com. So just kind of pay attention as you're listening and uh, take that next step, if you will. Yeah. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Davy's conversation with Adam Mabry.
0: Adam, thanks for joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Great to have you, man.
3: And thank you very much for the invitation.
0: Hey, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and, and where you're at, what you guys do. And then I want to dive into uh, particularly some of the inspiration behind this this book that you, um, you've, just, you've just written.
3: Cool. Yeah. So um, I'm originally from Panama City Beach, Florida, uh, where oh, pastors usually on. go to to do <laughs> ministry, not come from. Um, but the joke that I make is like when God's picking pastors from Panama City Beach, it's because recruitment is down. Um, and so <laughs> someone has to uh, suffer
0: for Jesus, man.
3: You know. Yeah, man. Uh, so, so, uh, so I met my wife in high school, and uh, we just connected. We were in the same youth group, and uh, uh, we both come from a really similar, you know, family background of some some real challenge there. Um, and uh, and we connected over music. We're both music nerds, classical mm-hmm. music nerds. I saw her playing a Rachmaninoff, uh, etude in at a friend's house on their piano. And I was like that one, I want that one. Wow! And, um, the good news is she had no interest in me whatsoever, but, uh, perseverance pays off. And so, uh, (laughs) we, we, uh, we went to music school. I shoved my four-year degree into two years so that I could, I could marry her. My, 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 my parents just asked like, Hey, please just graduate college before you get married. And I was like, challenge accepted. So, um, I graduated at 20, got married a week later. And, um, we were living in Florida and, you know, just trying to figure out, like, we figured God was going to do something cool with our lives, but we didn't really know what that was going to be. We were involved in campus ministry and, um, went to a conference, uh, with our family of churches and someone gave an announcement about a church plant, uh, mm. in Edinburgh. And, uh, mm. I couldn't find Edinburgh on a map. Uh, uh, and, but both my wife and I were like, man, God wants us to go do that. We just, we walked out going that that is what we're supposed to do. So mm. quit my job. We sold the little house that we bought we decided that was a good time to have a baby. And we moved my (laughs) wife's grand piano, which is our other baby. And we lived in Scotland for five years. We helped plant a couple of churches. I was not the lead pastor there by any means, but I learned from uh, a couple of great men and women there and, uh, Mm. worship leading and campus ministry. And, uh, the joke I make is that when you plant a church, all job titles are sort of just decorative. (laughs) So I learned (laughs) how to do a lot of stuff. And, um, uh, there was an issue with our visa. We thought we would plant churches in Europe and, uh, her Majesty's Border and Customs Agency uh, had different thoughts, and so they invited mm-hmm. us very politely uh, to leave, um, <laughs> right, about six months before we we would have gotten wow. our full residency. So we thought, right, well, what's a place in America like, um, you know, that's as cold and kind of challenging as as Edinburgh? Ah, Boston. So came here, <laughs> walked around, prayed. We came up into Central Square in Cambridge, and we just knew the Holy Spirit would called us to be here, mm-hmm. so... We moved here um, and planted a church uh, called Aletheia Church. Um, Aletheia is the Greek word for truth. It's right in between Harvard and MIT. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, since then, church has just grown and expanded, and we've got to plant some other locations. And um, and it's been a it's been a heck of a ride. But so right wow. now, I'm the senior pastor of Aletheia Church, amongst wow. a few other things that I do. <laughs> yeah,
0: amongst you know deciding that you're going to write, and you have a, a big
3: family. Uh, you just, I do four, I have four amazing kiddos, four kids, um, between bro. 10 and 18, two girls and two boys. Wow. Um, yeah. And, uh, and my wife is, uh, the cat's pajamas, man. She's amazing. She's, wow. she gets it done. Uh, she, uh, homeschools three of them. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, they're all like, I got teenagers trying to like go to work and get their licenses. And we did a college <laughs> visitation the other day. So I feel very old and I'm about yeah, to feel very say, poor, what a but strange God's good seasons of life. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird.
0: <laughs> oh man. We're, we have three, nine, eight and three. And I, uh, I'm like the challenges that we're facing now. I can't even imagine the teenage about to go into college years and those challenges. And so, man, uh, whew, whew, whole different life, whole different world. Uh huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> it's
3: okay. There's grace wow. for it.
0: I know. Well, man, you know, one of the things that you have really, you, you've just written this book when God seems, gone. And you know, the subtitle finding hope when nothing makes sense. And this when we saw the book title and it kind of came across our desk, we we're like this is so appropriate and so perfect for our our community because so often we've found ourselves in spaces and places where it just seems like God is silent or it doesn't he, there's no sure. you're going where are you in this. I'd love for you to share a little bit about kind of the inspiration behind this book first and where yeah, know, where you found yourself in a season of that and, and, and what God began to birth in you, um, because yeah. of that season.
3: Sure. It's kind of funny to use the word inspiration. Cause, uh, <laughs> I would much, I mean, frankly, I would much rather not be qualified to write the book, um, yeah. Yeah. uh, and read it from someone else. But, you know, basically it came from a, a feeling that uh, feeling like he wasn't there while I knew he was. So, um, my other job is that, like you know, I'm a I'm a nerd. I'm a seminary professor. I like I, I love great theology. I I right. know God is there. Um, so the book isn't it isn't a theodicy. It isn't a defense of God in the face of evil and suffering. It isn't even really about like like an expose of my journey. It's really just about the emotional experience of knowing God is present and feeling like He's absent, and mm. and kind of how those two things that cognitive and emotional dissonance can really be torturous if you don't know what yeah. to do with it. And it was for many years, uh, for me, uh, we had in the midst of all the cool stuff and highlights of my life, you know, the last six, seven years particularly have just been filled with, uh, incredible challenges that my wife and I never would have expected with some uh, stuff going on in our family. And, uh, and, and there were so many times where, you know, I would find myself driving around, uh, rage praying. I don't know if anybody rage prays. Uh, I used to rage pray in the shower, but then everybody could hear me. So now I rage pray in the car. (laughs) And, uh, when you're in Boston and you're rage praying, it just looks like you're a normal Boston driver because they're very angry around here. So, so man, just, just shouting at God and you know, Mm. like, Hey, uh, this sucks. Where are you? What are you doing? Happy to serve you if you'll just point, you know, point me, uh, but Mm. feeling like he wasn't there. And so, uh, having come through, a large part of that season, not all the way, but a large part of that season, and realizing, okay, uh, that that experience seems to be um, seems to be perennial, and, and a lot of people seem like they're going to go through a spot in life where it feel they're, they're just not feeling God is there, and then add on to that that man, we live in a culture that where we disciple our, our people to um, to determine what is true by virtue of their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even in church, you know, we talk about we want to feel his presence. We talk about, you know, how did how did the sermon feel? How did the music feel? And mm-hmm. and if we're gonna be such a feelings-driven people, then when God feels gone, that's gonna be even more devastating than if we'd you know, our culture of a hundred years wow. ago had it had that experience. And so, you know, our, our this whole generation, we think with our hearts, not with our minds. And yeah. so if it feels like God is gone, then maybe he is. And and so it can really maroon uh people's faith. And so as I as I journeyed through that and my wife and I found some things that were true and helpful for us, just wanted to share them with others. Wow. Wow. You know, one
0: of the things, uh, you know, you mentioned that there's, there was this period of six years or so that you're, you're like, we did not expect any of this going on in our life. And I think so many people would relate to that. They would say that that, that would be probably true of their experience, which is interesting because again, you alluded to this, but you come from a background where you know, theology, right? You know, the words of scripture, you know, the words of Christ, even where he says, in this world, you will have sorrow. And, you know, I knew that before going through my tragedy too. I would preach that. Hey guys, we're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to go through really tough stuff, but then it, so, something hits your life mm-hmm. and we still get taken aback by that. Why, why do you think mm-hmm. that is, you know, why do you think it is that we, we can know all of this cognitively and yet yeah. still be surprised by and disappointed in
3: God? Yeah. Um, I man, the same reason that you can know how to hit a baseball with like correct form, but then when it connects, it just feels different. Um, and the same reason that you can know that you're going to go have, you know, a root canal and you're like, yep, that's going to be really unpleasant and my jaw is going to hurt. And, but then the experience of it, it, it's still, it's still the experience of it in some ways, yeah. actually knowing that it's coming and knowing that it's going to be bad can, if we don't, if we don't also know, how to hang on to God through it? It can actually make it worse. Good theology can make the problem worse if it's not mm. like full theology. Because right. good, you know, we know. Okay, wait, God, you're all powerful. You are totally good. You can do anything. And I think that you like me. Um, like I th- mm. I'm pretty sure you you decided to do this whole grace thing. Like I didn't yeah. start this idea. So this, if if we don't get a little further than just that, it can really, really, really really be bad added on to that like there is a and i don't know you know typically we we make like this is the prosperity gospel the whipping boy uh Mm -hmm. for this and but it's more like a a mood in american christianity that just because we're our nation is so wealthy and so healthy and so strong we just sort of assume and i do too that god owes us a quality of life Mm -hmm. like it's just baked in there uh yeah, uh, I, I know it's in there for me and I have to constantly be like, wait, no, God owes God owes me nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when God doesn't meet the even unspoken expectations that we have, but we can have all the right theology in the world, but we'll still feel extraordinarily disappointed. Right. Right. Right.
0: Whew. Do you feel like or and to what maybe maybe to what extent do you feel like um that experience that you were talking about has to be a part of or a component of uh our the building of our theology, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Cause like you can um, go to
0: seminary all you want to, right. Yep. yep. And know about God, but kind of sounds like what you're saying is until you actually sink your trust into him during these seasons, mm-hmm. you don't really know him.
3: Yeah. Or, or maybe I would say like, you just don't know him as much as you could and should, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to have a class on pastoral theology. It's another thing to be, holding the hands of a father looking over his son who just threw himself off a building, uh, and is only being held on by life support while you, while all of his friends parade in to say goodbye. Um, like that, that's a thing that I I did very early. I found myself in the situation similar to that early in ministry going, well,
0: school didn't teach me how
3: to, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you know, things that I learned were helpful, but there's, there's knowing and there's, there's knowing cognitively and then there's knowing experientially. And those are just Mm. two different ways of knowing and and when you have them both together they're uh then you really know Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i i think that i think that somehow god i i have fooled around with this idea so maybe it's going to come out unformed but i i often think that we confuse god's will for god's disposition so Mm -hmm. uh God's will, like, for instance, my disposition toward my kids, like, I love giving gifts. I, I love it. And I always blow the Christmas budget. Like, I'm, I'm always that guy who, like, <laughs> overspends at the last minute. I, I just really enjoy doing that. Um, but it is not always my will to give my kids everything they want. Because if I mm. did, even though it's my disposition, if I did, I would have monsters for children. They'd be spoiled yeah. and rotten yeah. and horrible, right? <clears throat> so, I... I have a disposition toward them to give them everything and to bless them constantly and to like, you know, it's always party time. It's kind of my disposition. Yeah. But my will is, okay, but I'm trying to create disciples of Jesus who can endure the world and like do something amazing. We can't have party time every day. So mm. I, I I wonder if God, because He doesn't just want to give us the new heavens and the new earth, but He wants to make us the kinds of people who are able to inherit it. Um mm. and so well. I'm I'm wondering like the, the light momentary affliction that Peter talks about is, is truly like, Hey, you can't, you couldn't take it. <laughs> like if, yeah. if God gave you the streets of gold and gave you it's that, great. you know, renewed body and all that stuff with your current, with my current character, it would not go well. And so yeah. you're really being, you know, as one of the, the old hymns says, you're being fit for heaven. Like you're, yeah, you know, this is, this is a little bit of a, of an eternal uh, preparation sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I think that it's part of God's wisdom because 10,000 years into eternity, I don't think I will care as much uh, or, or I, I will have a better or more correct perspective on you know six yeah. years of intense difficulty.
0: Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to connect you with a free resource that I know will be helpful in your pain to purpose journey. It's our free seven day devotional that you can sign up for right now. With this devotional, you'll get seven daily devotions that I wrote. We'll deliver them directly to your inbox each morning for seven days. These are adapted from our Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional and are full of daily scripture readings, questions to reflect upon, and prayer prompts to help you focus your heart. If you're looking for some encouragement in whatever you're facing, this is it. And listen, the best part about it, it's completely free. All you have to do is go to Devo com Again, that's D-E-V-O dot com to sign up for this seven-day devotional. Now, I don't know your story, but what I do know is that God isn't done with it. Whether you've endured a recent loss, a divorce, an unexpected diagnosis, or some other painful reality, God wants to give you hope when it seems like all hope is lost. Let's take seven days together to find that hope in whatever you're walking through. Sign up today at devo.nothingiswasted.com Alright, I'm going to press in on that a little bit. Now we're getting to theodicy, but that's okay. We'll, we'll go there a little bit. When I look at that, Adam, I, I resonate with you. I, I get it, right? Because I've, I've, I've been in that dark night of the soul. I've seen the, yeah. the fruit and the benefits that are soul level benefits that come from that. Not mm-hmm. material level, not of this world, but just mm-hmm. this like, wow, this nearness and the closeness of God that cannot be replaced. So I understand what you're saying right there, but someone could look at that and go, that seems a little bit cruel of God to quote unquote, get us fit for this thing. Like I didn't ask for that, you know, mm-hmm. like I didn't want it. And now this, you know, this all, all powerful higher being is trying to like whip me into shape so that somehow I can handle, you know, here I am. I yeah. mean, you know the, devil does, the devil doesn't need, need an advocate, but I'm playing that a little bit because this is what trauma tends to do to us to trauma oh, yeah. and pain can cause a disorientation of our, uh, perspective and true understanding of who God is, who we are and who this world, what this world is like. And yeah. I believe personally, God's inviting us to step out of the fractured view of that through trauma. But in that, you know, in our trauma brains, we're going, we're, we're, there's all kinds of things swirling around with those kinds of thoughts that mm-hmm. ascribe punitive motives or even retributive motives to God about our what mm-hmm. what we're doing or what you know so it's like god's trying is this seems super cruel he's trying to like get this some kind of a boot camp for you know what i mean or <laughs> he's yeah. screaming over me and so talk to me about that like how do we not see it as that
3: yeah that's a great question um you've heard of the phrase killing two birds with one stone uh, it seems to me that if God is really the way he describes himself to be in scripture, then God is always working a thousand eagles and killing, you know, uh, a trillion <laughs> birds with one stone. So, and then bring him back like to life. Cause he's,
0: Jesus, yeah, right <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. but like, he's not, so the suffering that's going on in my family, isn't just about the one who's suffering, nor is it just about the, the whole family. Mm. God is doing all kinds of things in and through this really terrible set of circumstances Mm. that if I will, if if I'll cooperate um, Mm. and if I will turn to him in faith and go, okay, Lord, I, I didn't want to be surgically altered in the ways that this seems Mm. to be working on my soul, but I do trust you. uh, Mm. So go ahead. It, It seems to me that this is more saying God, God is not, God is not so cruel. As to either will or allow, I don't want to pick your verb, this terrible circumstance, and then just say, but don't worry, it'll be worth it in the end. Mm. Um, I, I, I kind of get this view from wow. a reading at the end of 1 Corinthians 15 where you know Paul says death is swallowed up in victory. Right. That that the victory is of such a kind that it's not that death is conquered by victory, but death is like metabolized by it. Um, mm. that something about the crappiness of the worst situation is in the very final analysis, doing nothing but structuring the victory in such a way that it's better. Mm. And, and I, I just, mm. I, it, it's not a boot camp kind of analysis so much as like, God, you're the only one who can make trauma and I mean, unspeakable horrors yeah. make sense. Yeah. You're the, and, and if, and if the cross means anything to me, it's like, no one looking at the cross of Jesus was going, this is the power of God and the wisdom of God for the salvation of the human race. They were all going, oh, oh no. I mean, there was yeah. no one standing around the cross going, right, Isaiah, suffering servant, right? No yeah. one was seeing that. Um, everyone was freaking out. Uh, yeah. And they were freaking out when Jesus previewed it to them and they didn't want to believe it. Right. And, and yet it was the very worst conceivable act, the murder yeah. of God at the hands of simple men whereby God brought out the greatest conceivable good for free salvation of any who would trust. So if God is able to do that with that, then that's kind of my perspective on what he's doing with whatever this is in me. Wow. Wow. Whew.
0: I need to pause and let that sink in for a bit. That was, um, I mean, I hope those of you guys who are listening to this right now, like you understand the richness of what Adam just said right there. I mean, uh, to bring those tough cookies to the bottom shelf here, what he's saying is that Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of uh, of this reversal that God can do in all of our circumstances and that that there is there is nothing that we can go through that God can't and isn't already working out redemption um for and 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 yet there's this uh this really critical piece that you said earlier right there about our cooperation, Mm -hmm. our participation in that. And Mm -hmm. the invitation that God is giving us in the midst of our pain and suffering to trust him. And Adam, that can be so difficult when, when it feels like God is very silent. Oh yes. Going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, when you're not feeling him or sensing him or having those warm fuzzies or those, you know goose goosebump moments in worship or you know you just it, he just feels silent mm-hmm. what so what do we what do we do with those feelings yeah. or lack of feelings so to speak in those seasons you know
3: i have to point out the irony of me giving advice on what people should do with their feelings because for the longest time i was just so ignorant of my own that i didn't even realize that they were running my life Um, Mm. so through the intensity of this season, my wife and I were like, okay, we need help. (laughs) And so we started working with, I mean, just the most fabulous therapist I've ever met in my life. And, um, and so he's, he's helped us so much and probably the greatest gift that he's given me is the, uh, some tools to just notice how my emotions are doing Mm. to sort of be able to go, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sad or angry. Yeah. Um, I I'm a, I'm a pretty cerebral guy. I have huge emotions, but I was not, I was not aware of the level to which those emotions were running my, my mind and my body. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so one of the, he, he just helped me be aware, you know, no, no magic tricks, no, no, no anything like that. Just like, Hey man, what, what you just said there doesn't make sense. It's not right which means your brain is now being run by your feelings about a situation. Mm-hmm. And so so one of the first things that I began to do as a result of this gift is to examine, is to become curious about my emotions and what mm-hmm. the, the emotions are telling me. Because uh, your emotions are a way of knowing the world. But The, the, the best thing my emotions are uh, good for is just telling me how I feel, not right. what is actually true about the external reality, and definitely not what is most true about God. Yeah, but because we live when we live and where we live, you know, at the you know end of a two hundred and fifty year long experiment in selfishness, you know, that began in the continent of Europe <laughs> in the eighteenth century and it's kind of metastasized, you know, down the road here at Harvard um, with some of the forced ideas that come out of that wow. uh, institution. Uh, you know, for more of that, Carl Truman <laughs> wrote, a, wrote a great book on that. and You should go read it. But because of when and where we are, I we can't escape the fact that we live in a culture that has elevated emotionality to the level of Your emotions determine your identity. Your emotions determine what is true. Your emotions determine, like they're the most determinative factor in almost anything. And so Mm. when I could, when I begin to realize, oh, that's, I'm affected by that. Mm. And if I can just, before I just let my emotions move me along, at least step back and notice what they are, then I can actually insert like, okay, well, but this is what God's word says. Yeah. So we talk about often, you know, we're, Big on discipleship here, and we're big on like, hey, list ten lies that you believe. Let's go hunt for scripture that actually yeah. contradicts those lies and confess them. But that'll only have limited effect if the person who is confessing these scriptures doesn't know how those lies are affecting their emotions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because often wow. the fight isn't really in my prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex. It's not when my wow. it's not up here. It's here. Uh, yeah. And engaging my mind and my my spiritual habits to alter my inner life uh, Um, can only be done when I first notice my inner life. So all of that is a long way of saying first I had to learn what the heck was going on and, and admit, I actually don't, which is hard for someone like me and then relearn. Oh, okay. This is how the word of God can engage my emotions. And I can't Mm. let my emotions be in charge of how I, how I, how, how God is Mm. my emotions. Don't tell me the nature of God. But the wow. nature of God can speak to my emotions.
0: That's great. That's great. In, the, in our pain to purpose course, we say, are your emotions are a gauge, not a guide.
3: Yeah. That's a better way to say it. Right.
0: It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're thinking about it from like this, this is important for us to, to, to understand these things, to feel these things, to not suppress them, numb them, cope with them, escape them or side skirt them. Right. That like, totally. we've got to really under, like feel them and begin to form a, an emotional voc- vocabulary beyond seven words. To be able to say, "Oh, this is what I'm feeling right now," and yet mm-hmm. then be able to apply the truth of God's word to that. Yeah, and I and I don't know if you would say this it would be true of your experience, but I, I I think that both components are so important to work in tandem, because mm-hmm. if you if you suppress your emotions and just kind of preach the truth to yourself, you might be preaching the wrong truth to certain emotions, right? Applying the wrong truth to certain emotions. And it's like, well, that's not, okay. That truth is true, but it's not the right truth for that emotion because you haven't explored what is this emotion that's going on right now. And the emotion tells you what kind of lie you are believing. Yes. Right? You pull the thread on that emotion, you you begin to go, oh, this is the actual lie that I'm believing. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So this
0: is the truth that I can apply to that lie. Yeah.
3: You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, so, I mean, even in seasons when it seemed like God is silent, it's a real gift to be able to go. Yeah, God, you seem silent, and I am mad about that. Mm. That makes me angry. I feel like I'm not getting what I deserve. Uh, I'm super sad. I know <laughs> that you're mm. good, and to just be able to, to live in that uh, to live in that tension a little bit. You know, now I would even add a third thing um, in uh, one of my one of my uh, research projects for. Um, Uh, for my doctorate of ministry, I was looking at, you know, a lot of discipleship material says, okay, this is what you should think and this is what you should feel Uh, or this is what you should think rather. And this is what you should do. But very few of them could come into contact with like, okay, so how's that going to affect my inner life? And, Mm. and, and like the, if you can hit all three of those things, man, that's the triple threat. Like if I can not just believe cognate what is true, but act Upon what is true, it actually yeah. moves the needle on my inner life, which is why it's like spiritual disciplines become so important. And kind of there's this, right. you know, new monasticism that's kind of popping up, which is really in some ways very helpful. Um, <laughs> very because even helpful. if I don't feel like God is there, <laughs> yeah. I am still going to talk to Him. Yeah. Uh, even if I don't feel like He's being fair to me, I am still gonna I'm still gonna read His Word. Um, yeah. Because my feelings are just my feelings. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of crazy
0: how ancient, timeless wisdom. Is the uh, things that we yeah. keep going back to?
3: It's almost like just because we have an iPhone, we're not smarter than yeah. Augustine or you know right. some of some of the other ancient fathers. Right, right.
0: So you know, here is a question I have. I, it can be very easy, especially. I mean, you are in church world. I am in church world. I think I used to. I, I used to fall back on this a lot more before going through a really dark season. You know, in my own life with the losing, uh, the losing. Of, losing my wife and, and all of that. And and, and I, I would say you're probably, I, w- I would guess that you'd probably say the same thing, but even in my preaching style or the way that I would write sermons or the way I would pastor people or try to help, I would try to help resolve things for people by kind of almost infer, you know, or I'm sorry, almost implying like, um, Hey, it, okay, if you're feeling God is silent or he's distant, then, you know, here's a checklist of things to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not doing these things and maybe that's why God is silent. Mm -hmm. Almost implying then that, okay, as long as you fulfill this checklist, God will always be readily available right there. And then you using, using scripture, like draw near to him and he draws near to you, right? Like kind of using that Mm -hmm. as an, to arm. And yet that's not true necessarily. Mm Mm-hmm. So how do we begin to untangle that? And you know, what, what are we to do in those seasons where God seems silent? Cause surely there is, it's a cooperation, it's a partnership. So like surely there is something we can do. And yet um, there's not like a, we can't back God into a corner and force him to show up for us in the way we want him to show up for
3: us. Sure. Um, No, I can really identify with that. I I think I felt Uh, especially in my twenties as a pastor, I I felt the, uh, I didn't like living in the tension of being not okay <laughs> yeah. and being in the presence of God. I, I'm going to, I'm an achiever. I'm a type A, I'm an, you know, eight yeah. wing, get out of my way on the Enneagram. <laughs> if you believe in that, you know, magic or whatever, I like, I'm that kind of guy. I do. I'm just a three wing like,
0: four. So I get it. There you man. Go. I'm like, You're really driver, it. achiever. Yeah. Here we go.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, let's, let's, let's go, you know, six yeah. hours of sleep. Let's wake up, let's get it yeah. done. And so when I would approach, you know, when people would come to me with their pain, I'm like, man, we can fix this. And yeah. there's a part of that. I think that's good. There, there's a part of that. That's a gift of faith, like, Hey, you don't have to live with this way. There is victory. Mm. You don't have like the, the danger sometimes of, you know, being so conversant with our pain is that we forget that like, yeah, but our pain is not our identity. It's just, mm. it's just that's where true. we are right now. We can't derive our identity from all that. Uh, God wow. tells me who I am. Not my, not my, you know, cloudy days or cloudy years. So, so I like, there's a part of that faith filled, come on champion, get out of the gutter. We can do it. Uh, mm. that, that is important. But if that's, for me, in my twenties, that was probably the only tool in my toolbox. And then walking through real terrible stuff helped me go, oh, "Okay, that is not that is not the best tool all of the time. Yeah, uh, right. Sometimes the best tool is, you know, just letting people talk. And yeah. sometimes the best tool is lament. And how the heck yeah. is how the heck do we do that? Um, yeah. But one of the things that I say in the opening of my book is like, look, there are two reasons that God seems gone. Right. One of them is pretty obvious. We'll just say, it. I'm going to tell way right here. Sin. Like yeah. if you're an open rebellion against God, of course yeah. he feels gone in the same way that if I was cheating on my wife, we probably wouldn't have a great conversational intimate relationship. Right. Like, yeah. So if you're like trying to draw near to God, but you're not following him or submitting to him, like yeah. quit acting so surprised. Yeah. But that's probably not why you picked up the book. Probably, uh, probably picked up the book because, to the best of your ability, you're, you're trying to follow him. You're not mm. at present. You're not trying to be an open rebellion, and yet he feels gone. Okay, what's that about? And that answer mm. you know, to that question is super interesting and textured, and there are all kinds of reasons for it in the scripture. I I like the practices because they can be a safe anchor. Yeah, but good. one of the one of the I mean. The most reliable way that God speaks to us is precisely the way an emotionally driven culture would never want to hear from Him. And that is through <laughs> this. <text>. Right? <laughs> through a text that requires reading yeah. and slow meditative yeah. thought. Yeah.
0: Like, like marinating in it, right? Like yeah. that's, that's like There's the last thing that, like, we are all about Cliff's Notes. We are all about, I mean, I just yeah. scroll, you scroll through Instagram and you see these little things that pop up. There's an ad that's like, be the most interesting man in the room. Maybe it's because they, you know, they know that I'm an Enneagram 3 and they're like, okay, how can we be maximize efficiency and stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's a list of like 30 books that really yeah. they just want to give you the like the nuts and bolts Cliff's Notes version of it. You don't actually have to read it. You don't have to sit and marinate and assess it and, you know, evaluate at all. Mm-hmm. And that's our culture. But that's yep. not our relationship with God.
3: Nope. And he's just super happy to let us like run around and act like idiots. And he's just like, all right, well, I'll be right here, man. Like, uh, that's so yeah, true. just come back anytime. I'll, uh, so true. Wow. You know, and, and what's the irony is like, we've never had more tools. I mean, to, to read the Bible yeah. and to really understand it than we do right now. Yeah. Um, but what God's word says, and, and I should say this, I don't just mean reading it and like using it. I mean, reading it and like swimming in it and letting its categories and words move your categories and words. Mm. Um, that, that is just not a fast process mm. and there's no way to microwave it. Um, and if, right. if when I've tried to microwave it, it's not gone great. Um, It's not gone great. And so, you know, I've got a mentor, uh, pastor Steve Merle. He leads, uh, the the president of the family of churches that I'm a part of. And he's kind of, he's got this axiom, like same old boring strokes. It's just the same, whatever you're facing, it's probably going to be fixed through like repentance. Yeah. Meditation, scripture, prayer, spiritual family. And then probably doing all that again. (laughs) That's probably the best answer. There might be some other things in the margins, but probably, probably it's just the same old boring strokes. And we always want to get like the trick and the key and like the, right. We're Gnostics, man. Like that's straight up Gnosticism. Like, let me just give me the secret knowledge. You know, let me, let me peek in under, you know, just behind the the veil.
0: Surely Timothy Ferris has a four hour, Right sanctification book. Right, I should something.
3: watch a neo stoic, yeah. uh, with six percent body fat. <laughs> <and> <laughs> tell me how to follow Christ. Um, I would like to, yeah, maybe, maybe his uh, maybe his workout tips are best. But
0: that's just true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
3: but yeah, that that is a that's wow. just not the way. Uh, that's so good. It, it's it's not the way, and and it looks crazy. Like to endure willingly endure suffering looks yeah. crazy to a world that's like just escape it. Mm. Just why are you enduring suffering when you can? Mm. There's so many great escapes, man. Like just a- divorce turn. her, You're so right. just move, wow. just get wow. a new job. Just, you know, look, smoke a little weed, just have an extra drink, just wow. scratch whatever itch. Why would you endure suffering? And then the answer yeah. is because our whole gospel is that salvation came through God's suffering. Yeah. So we shouldn't be super surprised that our sanctification part of our salvation may involve some suffering. Yeah. Like, yeah. But that looks crazy to a world that doesn't understand that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Whew. Yeah, it's so interesting how everywhere in our culture, everywhere baked into it is the idea of like let's escape pain. All or day. at the very least like let's like manage it. We're going to manage mm-hmm. it, right? And it's mm-hmm. across the board. And and none of these things I'm about to say are inherently bad by any means, but I'm just noticing observationally as you're saying this I'm like, man, like even childbirth right? Now it's, now we have epidurals and it's like, Hey, you, it doesn't have to be painful. Yeah. You know, it's like, and it's like, I mean, all of us do it, but it's like, we're, there's just these options. There's pharmaceuticals all the time now for here's mm-hmm. how we can manage this pain. Here's how we can do, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. that seems to be just in the rhetoric and the DNA of our culture always and at every turn.
3: Yeah. I have a, I have an ER doctor in my small group uh, or in my old small group. And he would often get patients like, well, you know, I just had this thing happen and I, and, and I'm in pain. And he's like, yeah, it's because your arm broke. Yeah. And that hurts. And they're like, yeah, but can you give me something? And he's like, I mean, you can have some Tylenol, but <laughs> there's right. a broken arms hurt. <laughs> that's a, yeah. uh, that's just part of the deal, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but, but there's, this seems to be a cultural surprise. Like, whoa, right. well, I shouldn't I hurt. Shouldn't,
0: I shouldn't be feeling
3: pain. Like pain, yeah. pain should never be a, a feature of our existence. And, wow. you know, in the disney Instagram quick fix. I mean, that's just, that's everywhere. And I'm not blaming those things, you know, exclusively. It's just, that's the culture we participate in. And so we're really surprised when something great involves suffering, but yet we still notice like our best stories are still stories of overcoming our greatest cultural heroes still are the people who like were faithful to the end, even though something really was terrible. And so there's still this, like, uh, at bottom, we know that, like, yeah, yeah of course it's going to involve suffering and, and being hearts. faithful through it. Wow. Um, but we've, you know, it's almost like there's this suppressing the truth and unrighteousness.
0: Hey, friend, tens of thousands of people receive hope through their headphones each week by listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. But we know as well as most people that healing doesn't happen simply by listening to inspiring stories. In fact, you have to engage in deeper relational community with like-minded people who are also struggling through the journey, and you have to apply the practical tools and truths that you're learning from those who have gone before you. I mean, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, those who listen to my words and put them into practice will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The storms will come, but the house won't fall. It's information plus application that leads to transformation, which is why we've created the Nothing is Wasted Community Plus platform, an ecosystem of content that you can consume through the power of targeted community. Never again will you have to say that no one understands what you're going through, because through Community Plus, we're bringing you both the people who quote unquote get it and the content that will help you journey through it. For just $20 a month or $200 a year with your Community Plus membership, you'll receive access to our extensive library of bonus content, including bonus podcast episodes and on-demand mini-courses, access to all of our curated pathways in their entirety, on-demand replay access to all exclusive events, masterclasses, live coaching, webinars, immediate access to the Position for Redemption mini-course, which is normally $97, discounts on all Nothing Is Wasted products, events, and coaching. And if you choose the annual plan, you get two months for free. Now, here's the deal. What's even better is that since Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is a nonprofit organization, Community Plus membership is tax deductible. That's right. We'll send you a statement at the end of the year and you can report that on your taxes. I believe Community Plus will be such a helpful tool for you in your pain-to-purpose journey that I want to give you a seven-day trial for free by signing up today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus. If you're ready to partner with God to take back your story, get the resources you need to help along the way. Through encouragement and practical steps, the Community Plus platform is what you are looking for in navigating your pain-to-purpose journey. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash community plus and sign up now. Join others who are finding hope And healing. One of the ways that this manifests itself in so many of our our listeners' lives is depression, and depression Mm -hmm. is a very difficult topic. um, To to, I mean, what's a different? It's a difficult season to wade through when you're wading through it, and it's a difficult topic to talk about because. Especially in the church, for far too long, we've again tried to put some kind of some quick fixes or band aids over depression. Right? Pray more, or mm-hmm. something must be wrong if you're feeling this. You were you're pretty um, real and raw in your book about seasons of depression, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm curious, um, you know, uh, and maybe maybe you've already articulated this with some of the the anchors of practices that you're talking about, but I, I wonder if there's anything within those seasons of depression that you said, hey, here are some things I had to apply or I had to do Mm -hmm. um, that really began to help bring hope back into my life.
3: Yeah. Um, So the first book that I wrote uh, was called The Art of Rest, and it came out of the first season of depression that I ever had. Mm. And I realized, okay, maybe working 80 hours a week and disobeying God's command to to rest is has has some causal link to my to my set and it did um and so that book was the story of how you know uh, we we have to engage in the discipline of rest so i mean rest is one of them yeah. and uh, <clears throat> for the perennially productive and that's the nature of the city that i live into uh rest is a discipline and i call it an art because most people really suck at new art forms <laughs> you know, mm. uh, uh, I liken it to like two of my kids play the violin and one of them plays the cello. And if you've ever heard a child learn a stringed instrument, uh, <laughs> it's, it's horrible until suddenly it's not. But for like a year or two, it's like, it sounds like we're wow. murdering cats downstairs. That's what it You're sounds brave,
0: like. You're brave, man. I'm, I'm, te- we're teaching our kids piano and guitar right now. That's about us. Yeah.
3: I, the... I'm not brave. Something my about the... is brave. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Mabry is the brave one. She's, she's wow. crushed that game, but, but that's what it is. Right. So that's a practice to embrace, you know, Mm. I, I'm a. I have come to be, and every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Heavenly Lights. Like all truth is God's truth. So there are. Um, I tend to think of things in in this triangle uh, of orthodoxy, orthopathy, and orthopraxy. So mm. Uh, mm. so uh, right thinking, right doing, and like a rightly ordered inner life. Mm. Um, and there's like there are adjustments that can be made at every one of those angles or every one of those corners that are beneficial. I mean, some people it's, you know, I, I was counseling one dude and he's like, Hey pastor, I'm depressed. You know, can I talk? Of course we can talk. Let's talk Well, he tells me about his life. And he's like, you know, he has two to four drinks a day. He he's, you know, 50 to 80 pounds overweight. He never exercises. And I'm like, my man, I don't think you have a Theology problem. Mm. I think that the kinds of things like just your habits don't lead to don't life. lead to health <laughs> and yeah. life. So you need right. vitamin D. You probably should right. you know consume less alcohol. You probably should just move your body more. And um, and sure enough, like yeah, that can be it. And for a lot of people, it's just yeah, you know, the basics of cognitive behavioral therapy. Just like get out, right. take a walk, which is true. That can really really help. Um, others, it really is a mind trap. It's okay, you believe false things. Yeah. Um, and for others, it's, it's maybe a more therapeutic or, uh, you know, figuring out what's going on in, in your inner life. Um, I think there are times of course, when, I mean, I'm, uh, I should say I, I am not a medical health professional, uh, but I have been dragged kicking and screaming through the world of med- mental, mental health, <laughs> um, and of, uh, uh, unwillingly been made to learn certain things. And, right. you know, there are times when medication is great and, and yeah. I, I, I'm super grateful for great therapists, but there's also times when every one of those things is the wrong answer. Um, mm. You know, wow. and so it really, really depends on uh, the nature of what someone is walking through. Yeah. Um, I think probably that if I were to give, and maybe this is just the Holy Spirit right now for your listeners. Being alone, like when you're depressed, when I'm depressed, I do not want to be around people Mm. at all. I want to sit alone and brood. And I think most people that I've seen walk through depression have this, have this bent. And that is literally the worst thing that you can do. Mm. Um, like I need to be around other people. I need to be around other gifts, especially the gift of encouragement, especially the gift of mercy. Like Mm. I need that. I need those people with those gifts. Um, Cause the gift of teaching is not going to get me out of that one. yeah. Right. Um, and so I, I would say, I think the most important thing was making the decision. Here's the, pa- I'm sorry if I'm talking to long. like, here's the pattern I've seen That's as a pastor. Great. Someone hits a depressive season and then I hear, and, and they were all in on church, you know, they're in their small group, maybe they're right. serving on a right. team. And then they, they start <laughs> to say things like, man, it's a really tough season and I just need to, you know, take a break from church. Right. And right. I'm like, and, and then, then they're gone. Like that's right. that's the thing that happens before we never see them again, and their friends never yep. hear from them again. Yep. And look, are there seasons where maybe you should take a break from serving? Sure, yeah. But taking a break from church when things aren't going well is like taking a break from eating when you're hungry. Like or taking a break right. from drinking when you're in the desert. That's a stupid thing to do. Right. That doesn't. Right. Jesus would never give you that advice. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, at all. What you need is more church, and I don't mean yeah. more church activity. You you need the people. <laughs> you you <laughs> that's people the church. You need right. you need those people. Uh, even if you don't like them very much that you need them, um, That's right. and you need to get around them. And so, uh, for me, a lot, a lot of what helped was just some anchor covenant relationships of brothers who just went, yeah, no, nope, this sucks. And we're going to get through it. And, you know, or, or even sometimes, sometimes I needed just a woman, <laughs> you know, yeah. in my, in my funk, I needed a man to come up to me and go, Hey, all right, I know you're bummed. Just can't yeah. talk like that. <laughs> you know, wow. uh, and so I, I don't know, and all hands on everything. I mean, Paul said, you know, all of these things are yours. All of us are yours in Christ. Uh, we don't have mm-hmm. to pick one. We don't have to pick Apollos or Barnabas or or, or Paul. Mm-hmm. I, I, and we don't have to pick exercise or, you know, uh, you know, good nutrition or, uh, you know, great spiritual practice. Like, it might be any of those, but I think yeah. I need other people to help me figure out which one of those it is.
0: Wow. Wow. Can you tell me those, what, what was the triangle that you said again, mm-hmm. orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and Ortho...
3: I I think I, I don't think I invented this word, but maybe I did. And if I did, if you've never heard it before, I totally invented it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's orthopathy, right? Orthos, Path- the ortho, okay, right. Yeah. And pathos is like passions. Yeah, you're, and yeah. that's more than just emotions. Right. So I did my, uh, when I was diving into this for, uh, one of my, uh, one of my doctoral theses, I, I was like, Ooh, this is. Yeah because modern church especially modern evangelicalism we are great we're very action oriented and which is awesome right. we should be i am right. not i am not tearing that down we tell people like these are the action steps to help you be and make disciples yeah. praise god and in the more confessional traditions we tell people like these are who you are these are the static truths yeah. that define your identity you know in in christ and those are great but when you have a when things are going wrong here these things are only marginally useful. Um, mm. So like action verbs and static, you know, adjectives about God are not necessarily what is needed here.
2: Mm. And
3: so th- this is, and it's also the most difficult to research and talk about. Right? Uh, but right. if, if this inner life thing, if this orthopathy thing can be set, right, especially in our culture, Oh boy. Um, it, great huge. things can happen.
0: That's huge. Yeah. You know, I have a, a mentor who told me one time that, you know, especially in ministry or leadership, you know, you're beginning, your life is beginning to go awry when the, the inner you is not matching the outer you. Right. Mm-hmm. And this sure. echoes so much of like, you know, is it uh, Dr. Henry Cloud where he writes mm-hmm. integrity. Was that Henry Cloud that wrote H- integrity? Now that I'm, now I'm not, uh, I don't know now. You made me doubt or not, but anyways, the whole idea of you know uh, integrity is that we it comes from integer, right? a whole number, or the same root word. So being a whole person means your outer you and your inner you are matching mm-hmm. up, and that inner mm-hmm. life is like what you said. I mean, it is the most difficult thing right now to to tend to and cultivate because of the nature of our culture, the nature of what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah. Everything's more about propping up the outer you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, honestly, like since we're being real and very honest, like, okay, I pastor a big church in a cool city next to like globally recognized name brands like Harvard and MIT and, and I'm an author. So the amount of pressure that I have felt to have a killer social media game and make my life look so good to prop up book sales and all, you know, this weird, my, my, my accidental being, you know, finding myself in this weird position, man, I lived that yeah. life hard for a few years. And, uh, one of the things that 2020 beat out of me, uh, was that? Cause I was like, mm-hmm. this is exhausting. I can't. And that's, this is not me saying if you love social media, you know, you're doing something wrong. I, th- this is just for Adam, mm-hmm. but the things that were motivating me, to have this really cool social media, really, you know, really cool, whatever image. Yeah. I think there were all the things in me that Jesus wanted to kill because yeah. they were not helping me. They were not, they were not helping me be a better dad. They were not helping me wow. be a better husband at all. Certainly not helping me be a better pastor. Like, and when I stepped away from those things, I was actually able to be, have more integrity so I, I do have social media. My my amazing personal assistant runs most of it, praise God. And I, I do interact with it, you know, some, but nothing like yeah. this, you know, needing to, to catalog my day on Instagram stories. Yeah. I mean, to six to 10 entries a day. Because it's just not real, and it's that's perpetuating. Because right. everybody who right. watches that thinks like that's what my life is like, right?
0: And right.
2: it's not.
3: <clears throat> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I don't ever put when I have spoken <laughs> rudely to my wife on Instagram, or whenever I have been you know like bombed a sermon. I never put that on Instagram, you know, or when I've you know I've, I've wow. eaten too much or you know I'm, I like it. I don't do that on Instagram. Should Let's just start the a social place.
0: media like channel or even profile or something where it's like here's all the really crappy things that have happened throughout my day like a bizarro
3: instagram yeah you only put (laughs) up the difficult stuff yeah it's like and then it would just
0: i mean it would it would end up going in a whole different different direction that would be completely unhealthy in that way too so be fatalistic but (laughs) man adam gosh this has been so this has been so good and so rich i appreciate you diving into I'm, uh, those of you guys who are listening to this, you got to know I, Adam had no idea the questions I was going to ask him. I mean, I'm just, I'm just tossing them out there, thinking you're going to be able to handle them, and you have, man. It's just been we've you've allowed us to roll around in some very difficult topics, and that's because you've you've walked some difficult roads, and uh, you can tell someone who um, has walked diffi- difficult roads by what is what kind of when you cut them open, what they bleed, and what comes out of you. Uh, because of all the things that God has deposited into you during that season and during those seasons. And so, man, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for sharing with us, spending time with us. Where, where can we, I know <laughs> segwaying from social media, where can yeah. we get connected with you? Or at least, I mean, we're going to put some links up here so that folks can get connected to your, yeah, your actually, books, but yeah. is there any other places that you'd want us to know about?
3: sure um I mean you're super welcome to follow me on Instagram or uh, Twitter or Facebook and uh, if you message me on those platforms uh, I I, I my, you'll probably hear from from my assistant far far sooner than you'll hear from me but uh, I'll, I'll do my best um, uh, all my you know all my sermons and stuff are up uh, at Aletheia church if you google my name you'll you'll find me um probably the the best things my most formed thoughts are <laughs> come in the form of books uh mm-hmm. and so uh i've written uh, i don't know four now um and uh and so if if you find any of those helpful you're you're certainly welcome to to grab those and spread them around and yeah those would be the best ways
0: it's awesome awesome well man thanks so much for spending time with us and sharing with us i know it's really ministered to me this morning so thanks
3: oh thank you i really appreciate it
1: I so appreciate Adam's vulnerability talking about depression and anxiety, especially as a pastor. Mm -hmm. Because I do, I don't know if it's as, as, I don't know if it's especially isolating, but it might be. Because pastors technically, like, quote unquote, aren't supposed to deal with depression or anxiety. Like, pastors have it all together. But I actually think this is something that whether it's full-on depression or anxiety, this dark night of the soul is something that so many Christians and so many pastors walk through, and you almost can't even talk about it because you're like shepherding a flock of people in the meantime. And so I just appreciate him sort of normalizing and saying, hey, this is, I don't know, this is part of the mystery of God and how he works, and yet God is there even when we can't sense his presence.
0: It's so true. It's so true. It feels like it's um, both... You know, it, it is one of those things that you can't take someone where, it's, uh, you can't take someone somewhere you haven't gone before.
1: Yeah, right. And right. so I
0: think that when I talk with pastors and church leaders, I don't know if this is your experience too. Often they're surprised by. I know I was. I was surprised by the personal pain that you'll experience as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at it in retrospect, it makes sense because what it you know when I lost Amanda, what I what it did in my heart was make me so much more empathetic. For people in pain, which is a Absolutely. pastor, you know, it kind of like stretched that shepherding yep. part of my uh heart. I yeah. n- don't think I ever had that a, sh- a shepherding gift mm. as, as a primary kind of gift in my pastoring, mm. you know, mm. very apostolic, yeah, teacher, evangelist yep. kind of, yeah. But, um, but then you look at it and you go, okay, God really uses these, and so you almost see whether it's because of a systemic issue with the church we've talked about before and kind of the position of pastorship and the personality you know, that isolates the leader of that organization, yeah. I think that plays into it. But you also see yeah. pastors go through these deep dark nights of the soul. And I think God really leverages those to help build empathy in them so that they're able to minister to people and have yeah. things to share with people yeah. as they're pastoring them from a place of empathy, from a place of solidarity and experience.
1: Absolutely. So, I even know like from the just even from like a preaching perspective having lost people and been through yeah. suffering myself, I would say my my own preaching changed from like here's what I want you to know doctrinally right, right. to every single person in this room is hurting right to some degree or another. Like if I if I can't help them encounter Jesus's compassion That's and right. love where they are, then like, I'm not doing this right. And so I do think, but it's not just from the platform preaching, but you're right. Like just even shepherding people well, whatever that weird, weird treasure of darkness that only like God can bring from pain. That's certainly
0: part of it. That's a really good phraseology right there. Treasure of darkness. And that's true for everybody, not just pastors and church leaders. I mean, you would be amazed if you open your eyes and open your ears and your heart to the gravitational pull of people that come around your sphere of influence that share your story. And that's very mm-hmm. much a Holy Spirit thing. Mm-hmm. Like the Holy Spirit is bringing people into your life, no yeah. matter if you're a pastor or if you're, you know, a customer sales rep at some, you know,
2: right.
0: in right. a cubicle somewhere. Like God's gonna, if you open up yourself, God's gonna bring people into your life that you can minister to mm-hmm. out of your pain. It's amazing, Aubrey. We had a, a, an experience like this, you know, last week at the time of this recording. Now, as people are listening to this, it's gonna be a few weeks ago, but. yeah,
1: we, yeah, I want to hear about we this, were, Tell me, tell the people. We were
0: at ARC Conference, Association of Related Churches, which is one of the most prolific church planting networks there that it are is. out there right now. You know, you yeah. have some big ones, yeah. Axway 9, Exponential, ARC, mm-hmm. uh, Converge, like different stadia, different church planting networks. Yep. But ARC is definitely one that's really leading the way in a lot of stuff. And, yeah, you know, they is. invited us about a year, a little more than a year ago to be resource partners with them. Um, just such a humbling thing for Dino Rizzo, the director of mm-hmm. art to to see what was going on with pain to purpose in some of our some of the art churches and say, hey, we've got to get yeah. this into all of our churches. And so that's awesome. We actually went to art conference with a team of seven of us from Nothing Is yeah. Wasted to have a booth down there and to begin to just see like, is this a need in churches? We mm. intuitively are like, Yeah, we definitely think it is because we're seeing, we know it's a need we see yeah. the pain to purpose course <laughs> and what it's doing in, you know, the several dozen churches that we're in right now. Yeah. But as far as this is the first step that we took to kind of take this almost to market in some ways, right? To actually intentionally put it in front yeah. of churches and pastors and say, "Hey, here's something we have." And I'm telling you, Aubrey, the divine conversations that took place there. Mm. I was nervous taking seven people down there that we were going to just have a bunch of people standing around twiddling their thumbs and because <laughs> like that was going to be like too it's many an expo people. <laughs> where people were walking by and there's like oh you know like and you just feel awkward. We we did not catch our breath. Wow, any, any of us. I mean, we were nonstop conversations Mm-mm. that we did not have to initiate. People walking by, seeing our booth, seeing Mm-mm. what we do and mm. going, literally, it, it felt like they were like, w- we need this. What, what is this? Wow. There was just this like anointing. It felt like this divine appointment
1: yeah.
0: on that space. And it wasn't just like informative conversations to say, yeah, we have this course that we launch in XYZ, churches. And here's it wasn't our, just yeah. our elevator pitch where I'm like, yeah, think of it like the Financial Peace University of Pain and Trauma. <laughs> like it, it wasn't that, it was actual providential conversations. You know, for instance, mm-hmm. Amy Sylvester, she's on our staff and she is one yeah. of, also one of our coaches for child loss. You've heard yeah. her story before. If you've listened to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast and her episode, she lost Hudson, her baby at eight months old. Yeah. She had in one day, she said, so this was a two-day conference. In one day, she had five conversations divinely appointed with folks who had just lost a child.
1: Oh, Pastors and church leaders. To bawl my eyes out. Yeah, wow. wow.
0: And she actually just told me on our, on our meeting, we met today, just kind of debrief on stuff. that mm-hmm. She at one point had to walk out and just like, like emotionally, it was just a overwhelming. She said, I tried to break up with God, right? It was just her kind of language <laughs> and jest of saying, God, I don't, this is not the story that I want. Like this is so heavy mm. to be ministering to people in this space. Mm. And yet at the same time, and this is that and that we can't quite reconcile, yep. but it's like, yep. and I'm so, I feel so privileged that you would turn what the enemy means for evil mm. in our lives around for good to help other people. Mm. Yeah. So it was just a, incredible time and space there. We walked away with, and I could not believe this, Aubrey, we walked away with 145 churches that expressed to us, we want to launch this course.
1: Amen. Follow
0: up with this on this.
1: I mean, that is so incredible.
0: And we, um, you know, we, we, I say all that to say this, there are people who are hurting in, in congregations. And what we've yeah. experienced yeah. anecdotally is that there are pastors who feel overwhelmed in helping other people heal from trauma, yep. tragedy, major yep. life transition. Yeah. And there are also pastors and church leaders who are living in back to our original point, this yeah. space of isolation.
1: Absolutely. And they
0: themselves are experiencing so much heartache and pain.
1: Yeah. And we experienced
0: yep. that last week, like people coming and just wanting to have and us being able to pray over them and just have ministry conversations. It's
1: amazing.
0: There was just something really special, and it really felt like yeah. a there was something there's something unlocking right now, mm-hmm. with what God is doing, um, and nothing is wasted ministries, but specifically with our work with churches.
1: Oh, I just am so excited about that because you think about you think about the impact that that has on like if a pastor can find purpose in his or her pain. That's right. Think about the ripple effect into the community for churchgoers and for pastors in their specific neighborhoods and relationships that's and right. influence and yeah, I can see why God was moving so powerfully. So that's very very exciting. Yeah,
0: it was profound. Very exciting. Profound. To hear. Listen to the next few episodes. We'll kind of give you some more updates on what's going on because yeah. there are some really exciting things happening right now, and some of which I can't necessarily disclose, but others of which because it's just it's a little bit down the track. But there's other yeah. things that I'm like, man, guys, I'm really excited more excited about this season of our ministry, Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, Mm. in serving you as you're listening to this or watching this, in serving your friends and family who are also experiencing. Like, I'm more excited now than I've ever been.
1: Oh, so good. So fun. Well, if you're as excited as we are, we would love to invite you once again to go to our website, nothingiswasted.com. Be sure to check out a couple things. Our community platform, Community Plus platform, where we have resources, not just for pastors, but for everybody who is walking That's through right. some type of a pain, grief story. We want to partner with you and empower you to partner with God ultimately to take back your story. Again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community. We always want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And we want to invite you to follow us and engage with us on Instagram. We're at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at OBSAMP. Be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube. Davey said YouTube's getting some traction. It really is. So that's really, really fun. I know.
0: It's interesting to me. I mean, interesting to me, I'm not I'm not mad about this, but that yeah, there so many people that like to, to watch it. their podcasts. I, for me, that I just never other thing. But hey, yeah. listen, if you're listen, I'm looking right, I'm looking right now in the eyes. Thank you for <laughs> watching. Thank you. Thank for you watching. so much for watching. <laughs> <you> for watching. <laughs> we appreciate that. We appreciate it. Next week, we've got an incredible <laughs> conversation with Jeff and Sarah Walton, and you're not going to want to miss that. And so, why don't you go ahead and take a listen to a little segment from my conversation with Jeff and Sarah Walton.
4: started just journaling and pouring out the hurt I felt, the things that I was struggling to even verbalize to the Lord and starting to pray, Lord, help Jeff see what you think he needs to see for our relationship to heal. But help me see my own heart right now. Help me see where I'm not willing to see. Help me work on the things that you know I need to work on. Um, And there was just miracles that started to happen. I, I started to feel like, Because I could be honest with the Lord and actually start to believe He was there with me. He actually knows. He was the only one in that room with me, in that memory that no one can share with me. He remembers. And He was there, and He he got me through that. Um, And yet, I desired a relationship with my husband, too. And so, I could honestly pray, Lord, I want this to be restored, but I don't have the tools to do it. I don't have any idea how to take a step forward in that. So please work on both of us in the way you need to, to restore this. And little did I know Jeff at that time was praying somewhat similarly, and we both just started to work on our own hearts and ask the Lord to heal us individually. And suddenly conversations started to kind of come out of the woodwork where we had fruitful conversations. And he started to ask me questions about things I felt that he didn't understand, and I started to explain with more patience and more grace and less expectation. And we started to gradually, very slowly, build these little healing points of seeing, again, we are on the same side. We are not against each other. We are fighting a storm that has been beating us over and over again, and now we're turning and beating on each other. <laughs> that's not doing anyone good. Um, and so I think that's been a huge point for me. And this, again, as we said, it happened last month. Um I think it's a gift for Christians to know this, this Christian life is cyclical. We go around and around and around, and we always feel like we're right back where we started. But I had this helpful picture given to me that really the Christian life, it's like this spiral, but it's spiraling upward. And so we often feel like we're back down on the bottom of the rung, but we're really higher than we were before because the Lord is just doing a deeper work in that same area that feels very repetitive. And so we found ourselves there last month of feeling like we were absolute— aliens from each other. And he had a lot of really difficult things going on. I had a lot of very difficult things going on. And we both were so depleted, we had nothing to give. Absolutely nothing to give. And we actually had to come to the point of just acknowledging that. Right now, we are in a season where we are both trying to not suffocate. We love each other. We need to just remember that right now. (laughs) We are on the same side and we will surface again. And just even acknowledging that, it's like it softened us to each other. Like, that's right, we're both hurting. I'm not the only one hurting, he's hurting. How can we just help walk next to each other in in this, even if we can't lean on each other? And that's when you start learning the Lord is the one we have to lean on. And as we do that the way it's meant to be, we actually are able to then be there for each other in in the way that we can, in a way that's realistic, um, rather than expecting what the other can't give us.